0: Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're regular, welcome back. All right, Chris, we've called an uh, emergency pod. <laughs> first time in Default Alive history.
1: Yep, had to do it.
0: It feels, yeah, it felt appropriate for um, capturing some of like the the live kind of thoughts and uh, emotions and I feel like it's one of those things where I only want to talk about it once and then kind of just be done with it and so I might as well just do it like the day it happens basically (laughs) and then not have to like rehash it later when I'm kind of sick of it and just want to be past it. Yeah, yeah, just want to move on after this. Well, let's not bury the lead. Um, Where where do we start? You want to kind of tee us up with some backstory?
1: Yeah. I mean, so you and I have been talking for, I don't know, a few weeks, a few months. I don't even know how long it's been now. Somewhere between uh, there, yeah. About trying to acquire a small SaaS together. Uh, Small as in, you know, uh, MRR somewhere in the 1 to 5K range. Uh, probably about there Mm -hmm. and uh yeah see if we could acquire something that fits um you know some of the targets that we're looking for and uh obviously with with your skills on the marketing side my skills on the tech side uh it seems like a good opportunity and see if we could buy sass and and grow it and that's what we've been trying to do (laughs) and that's what we thought we were doing until today
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and we, we've thought about building something together for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. but with everything being where it is today, uh, sort of put that on, on pause or kind of shut that down. Um, and then you reached resets to me sort of recently and we're like, Hey, what do you think about buying a SAS? That way we don't have to like start from scratch and it's more validated and there's less risk of basically kind of fizzling out with something that doesn't really have a lot of legs. And I was like, actually, that's, a, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a Uh, I like that idea a lot and a lot more even because um, then there's also like a playbook to run, right? It's like, we're not just starting from scratch. There's like this kind of foundation to build upon. Um, It's not like we're giving ourselves a job really. It's more just like, Hey, this is like an investment and this is something that we're going to spend, you know, a good amount of time on upfront, but then we're going to, you know, kind of let it ride maintain, keep going, reinvest, you know, delegate. uh, But then like not, not make it like a thing necessarily that we're like wholly devoted to, like this is the company that we're building, but
1: more just this is our project, this is our investment together. Um, so yeah, I love that idea, yeah. And maybe to back up even further and provide a at least for me a more zoomed out context is I started thinking about this a lot listening to Andrew Wilkinson. Uh, he's been on a few mm-hmm. podcasts that I've listened to, and uh, you know, runs uh, tiny and they own a bunch of different companies, um, started out as an agency, use the revenues from that to acquire their first company and then their second and third and so on. And I'm fascinated by that model. I think it's incredibly interesting and, um, something that I hope to replicate. So yeah, with, you know, obviously my main focus is going to continue being jet boost for, uh, you know probably years, um, at least for the foreseeable future. But this idea of being able to take some of that revenue that has built up over time and, uh, and acquire another, like you said, another project, another business, um, and see what we can do with it. To me, that's like really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And, um, I've been interested in
0: it for a long time as well. I took uh, Ryan Culp's micro acquisition course, maybe like two or three years ago now, I can't even remember when it was exactly, um, but I love that cause he basically outlines like how they've done it through fork equity, which is sort of like their, um, studio slash micro PE firm, um, where they've bought and sold quite a few SaaS companies. Uh, we've seen it with Sir sure capital as well, uh, which is really close to the com fund kind of community. Um, you know, many other kind of like oh, many acquisition or many holding companies or, uh, you know, parent companies of a couple of SaaS together um, with a lot of different strategies. I think our strategy is less like raise money and go like deploy it and like basically make like a fund out of flipping SaaS businesses I'm more just like, let's use our personal capital and personal time to build equity and basically like our, like acquire uh, or like bootstrap via equi- acquisition, if that makes sense, almost, you know, it's like, less of like the, the fundraising thesis and less and more of the, like, let's just entrepreneur via acquisition kind of process.
1: Yeah. I was listening to, uh, I'm blinking on his last name, but Julian on the Indie Hackers podcast. Oh yeah. I want to say it's just, yeah. Yeah. Shapiro. That's right. Um, and he, he was talking about how he's really gotten into investing. Uh, I think he's got, Mm. His firm is like Julian Capital, I think. Uh, And one of the things he said was starting out, he felt it was super important that he used his own money. You know, he had skin in the game and made mistakes with his own money. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you learn quickly that way before you have the pressure of you just raised a bunch of other people's money and you're trying to deploy it and, uh, you know, and you're putting their their capital at risk. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think the way we're going about it with just trying to stick it ourselves first, like that's to me that's that's the way i want to go
0: yeah yeah so you you had started looking at some uh, micro com listings before me and just kind of like throwing some things over the fence um, just to see kind of what fit that like SAS one to five k mrr bootstrapped kind of profile and see what was out there um and you ended up finding one that was on micro but they also kind of get got wind of through twitter do you want to kind of pick it up from there and um, tee up kind of how the story begins.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, I'd been browsing Microquire and a few other sources for a while, and you know, the first thing that that stuck out to me was like, at least when you're when you're on Twitter, everyone makes it sound like you know SaaS are like flying off the shelves. Uh, there's there's you know people are making sales every day, and it's like there's not that many, at least where I was looking, there's not like that many SaaS companies available for sale um, mm-hmm. that also fit the criteria that you're looking for. Of course, there's, you know, many much larger ones and whatnot. Um, but to, like you said, try to find a smaller bootstrap SaaS uh, that also had some alignment on the tech side. So like a tech stack that I'm familiar with. Um, and then ideally in the industry as well, um, so whether that's more marketing related with, with, uh, you know, your audience and expertise or, um, developer tooling or, um, you know, even no code would be great. And, uh, well, we, <laughs> we ended up coming across a tool in the no code space that was uh, one to 5k MRR and, you know, right in our sweet spot, good tech stack. And, uh, we reached out to them and, uh, yeah start having conversations
0: yeah and uh, a point on like the number of listings i think we've probably only seen or seriously looked at like less than 10 that kind of fit our criteria so it's like there's there's really only like you know 10 or less listed concurrently at any given time which like you know for our criteria it's probably um well, i don't know i i would i would assume that you know there's more in the smaller revenue ranges than there are in the larger revenue ranges. So I I wouldn't even say that that's like what we're looking for is like an outlier by any means, but yeah, it for sure seems like, Oh, there's hundreds of, I don't know, options or startups (laughs) being sold all the time. I was like, Oh, there's like literally 10 in front of us. And we're all just kind of right. You know, we're like sharks all trying to all trying to get to the same, um, to the same companies, you know, with the same conversations or, uh, there really weren't that many options. So when we saw this one, we were like, oh, wow, this checks a lot of the boxes. And it's definitely like the, the clear uh, favorite amongst the group that we saw.
1: Yeah. And to be clear, you and I are both interested eventually in going after larger deals. But we want to start with you know less risk, something on the smaller end. Yeah. and make mistakes and, you know, learn what we don't know. And we've already started to do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> right on track. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh,
0: so we got the conversation going. Um, they wanted a pretty quick turnaround, uh, after a couple of back and forths, uh, which mainly you handled. So maybe you can give some more kind of detail and context to it. But we were kind of able to strike a deal pretty quickly to like, figure out like a price point and uh, a couple of terms and basically like agree within, I don't know. What was it like? Like two weeks of talking or back and forth.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you want to get into specifics of company or just kind of leave it general or, (laughs) well, yeah. How, how how specific do you want to get? Because I mean,
0: obviously don't want, we don't like shine too much light on it to like, yeah. Publicly shame or anything, but like, but we could share as much as we, you know, it isn't like identifiable.
1: It's, it's a well known, I would say it's a well known tool in the no code space. Uh, it has, the, the product has a great reputation on Twitter. Um, as far as, you know, people talking about it, tagging it, uh, using it and, um, yeah, so that was all, you know, like like you said, checked all the boxes, was really interesting. Uh, I reached out to him initially. Uh, initially, he wanted a, a extremely high multiple. Uh, we're talking like 15X. Um, by the time it got listed on my, Micro Acquire, that came down to 6X. Um, still more than what made sense, but at least starting to get in the ballpark. Um, and... Yeah. So started basically the, you know, the initial conversation was just just to see like how serious they were about selling. Like you said, the timeline, it it turned out, they wanted to do this very quickly. Uh, we were both okay with that. We had a few questions to answer on our side as far as, um, we weren't going to be able to 100% finance the deal with just our cash. So, um, you know, we talked to a, a few different third parties about how we would finance that. I don't know if you want to talk more specifics about that or not um sure yeah
0: yeah yeah and also like we we kind of agreed to like we're you know 5x revenue multiple like 5x error as a as a price point is like really pushing it you know even like 4x kind of like at the top of our range from a buyer's perspective of just what we can what we can justify the the higher uh gross margin the higher profit the better because then it's easier to justify that, that higher multiple. And this was like, that was also one of the big things to kind of check the box of like why I felt good about it was cause it was like 95, you know, like 90, 90% plus uh, gross margins. So it was like everything that the business makes basically is going uh, to the bottom line, which is which is nice. And then you can use that um, to to pay down the financing. Instead of having to like put up all this capital up front. you can basically, let the bit that let the business pay for the acquisition of the business. But of course the seller gets, still get to win and that they get all the money up front. And then for us, we get to, we don't get to, you know, cashflow any money quite yet, but then once we pay it down, that's free and clear. And we're still putting up enough to where, you know, we're, uh, we're not in any like sticky situations. Like it's still very flexible. So we, we, I reached out to quite a few. Um, I think that was probably like on my side of like the, hmm. the equation of what I was trying to get done. Um, so I looked up SBA loans and basically everyone was like, you got to be in like this sweet spot. And, uh, for like these kind of micro acquisitions like this, it, it's really hard to get done and they're going to want to see like a long financial history. And even then it can take like eight weeks. And based on what we already knew about this seller, we knew, I just knew that that was not going to be an option whatsoever. Um, looked at, uh, pipe actually, I was supposed to get an intro. Um, I think I'm going to. Kind of bump it up again, anyways. Just kind of see what it's like. But I never end up getting an intro to pipe. Uh, Reached out to a couple of other financing solutions. They were basically like, "Yeah, we can do like up to one x ARR max." And basically, we need like two x ARR or like one and a half to two x ARR to kind of for it to make sense. And um, we we'd also you know how we kind of thought about it too was we sort of had like, all right, we can meet you on like the lower end of the spectrum, all cash up front, in which case we would, uh, we would finance some of that, or we can meet you on the higher end of the spectrum price point, but we'll need basically to do a, a lot of seller side financing where you give you like a percentage upfront, uh, a certain basically like annuity over time every month. And then, like a final balloon payment, maybe like two years down the road or something like that. Um, and uh, so, the one that would worked out the best, and I think that we would like to use in the future is called Bupos. Uh, Bupos is really, really cool. We ended up getting a term sheet from them. It's very favorable. Uh, it's basically a lending solution specifically for business acquisition financing. And uh, they just raised a bunch of money, looking to deploy capital. Um, so, how it would work for us would we would as we would. Uh, we would provide basically kind of match like four to one for them. And so whatever the price point is and how much we want to finance with them, we would have to kind of match them at least four to one. That way we have some skin in the game, like you said. Um, but whatever they give to us, uh, then we basically would pay back through a percentage of the revenue that the business generates every month. So it's kind of like a variable payment. It's not like a fixed, like, you know, 30 year mortgage with 3% interest where it's like, it comes out to, you know, $3,000 a month, every single month until that final uh, payment. It's more like you pay back as you go a percentage of your revenue. And uh, and if you pay it back sooner, in other words, there's a higher, um, they call it like a royalty rate. So it might be like 84% of revenue or 64% of revenue or 50% of revenue that kind of determines how long you're projected to pay it off if things are flat, but if it grows then you pay it down quicker and the quicker you pay it down, the less interest you pay. So it's basically like a a variable interest rate of between like 15 and 60% um, which either way is like super favorable depending on how, how long it takes to pay it off. Um, So, so yeah, I don't know if I'm missing anything there, but that we basically kind of like had that portion locked in and ready to go
1: yeah i mean I would, I would say like it's basically stripe capital if you could access stripe capital from the business that you're acquiring right exactly and use that mm-hmm. to pay for the acquisition which is yeah. so it's all based on their numbers and yeah it's it's it's, it's really cool service so yeah. hopefully we'll get to use them again in the future <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah hopefully fingers crossed yeah yeah, so I guess let's see. We figured out all the the financing. Um, you know, continuing to have conversations with the seller. Uh, did basically a high level kind of tech stack overview. You know, where are things deployed? How are things deployed? Uh, also, just general product usage, business use case. You know, t- just talking through all that. Like, wh- why do people sign up and pay for this? Uh, you know, we, we, we had general broad conversations like that down to nitty gritty, you know, access to their chart mogul. So we can look at different cohorts and, you know, verify that all the numbers that they're saying are, um, are correct, which they were, um, there was like some kind of strange stuff I felt like, uh, (laughs) one would be no accounting software whatsoever. And granted, I mean, this is like a, there's, we're looking at smaller revenue businesses. So maybe that's that's Mm -hmm. not always buttoned up, but, um, yeah, that, that was a little bit surprising to me. Yeah, I kind of wondered like, how did they do their taxes? There's (laughs) no, I don't know. Maybe it's different
0: where they are, but I was kind of just like, really like there's nothing I get it. If it's like, you know i haven't done it in a while or like sort of hodgepodge put together but it was like
1: (laughs) yeah there's nothing all right cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's basically like i guess money comes into stripe and then uh gets paid out to the bank and that's it (laughs) money in money out (laughs) it's just yeah it's gone as soon as it comes in yeah um yeah what else there there is there's a few things on the technical side and, and we never even got to the point of, of code review. Um, so yeah, basically what, what ended up happening was you know, they reached back out to us and said, they're talking to two other buyers. Um, they had one offer on the table and would we essentially be interested in matching that offer? Uh, this was, <laughs> I think I got this email at, it was like 10.30 p.m., uh the night before uh before i was moving so mm-hmm. we we just moved mm-hmm. this past weekend uh so we're we're in the middle of like packing everything up i get this email saying there's two other buyers and they're moving quickly and you know you're reading that and you're trying to determine like is this just the seller trying to push us faster or is this actually you know is this legit and it seemed it seemed legit to me just based on previous conversations so i reached out to you and you know that night and you happened to be up still and so we like hashed out really quickly like yeah the the i guess i skipped the part which was we actually made an initial offer as well which was which was um i guess lower than the other buyer's offer although maybe we can get into that as well later
0: yeah we made we made two offers basically one on the lower end of the spectrum with all cash up front one on the higher end of the spectrum with more seller side financing. And then, yeah, they countered with like a slightly higher, uh, a a little bit higher, but from, you know, pretty close to like the higher offer that we made, but it was matching another offer that they had.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I forgot that we initially, made our two offers um right so Which, yeah then it was <laughs>
0: looking at it now i, I think i was we, we we talked about it briefly in slack but it's kind of like oh like they'll accept if we if we match the offer they don't a higher offer cool like i guess i don't know sure <laughs> why not but like i don't know a little bit too good to be true almost
1: yeah i guess i i kind of I mean, part of the conversation we had was that we would theoretically be a good buyer for this business because right. obviously JetBoost is in the no-code space. Uh, you're very active in the no-code space. Uh, it felt like a business that we could do really well with and keep you know, keep its legacy going and, and all of that. So, you know, and they expressed that as well, that they were excited about um, working with us through this. And uh, so, yeah, so... I, I didn't, I wasn't as like surprised by the, just ask of, can you match this offer? Cause I felt like, oh, they would rather sell it to us. So as long mm-hmm. as we can match the offer, um, so yeah, that, you know, 10 30 PM talked to you and basically within, I would say 30 minutes shot them an email back and said, yep, we're, we're in for that. Um, you know, what can't even remember now what, <laughs> it was basically like, yeah, we'll, we'll put together an LOI and, uh, yeah, and send and go it over. from there. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so then I put together the LOI, which I got the template from, uh, the microacquisitions.com course. So shout out to Ryan and, uh, and fork equity, but, um, which, which if I can
1: just interrupt, yeah, th- that, uh, you know, I didn't take that course, but you basically brain dumped everything you learned. <laughs> And I came into this knowing almost absolutely nothing about this process. Uh, and yeah, that course was like hugely beneficial, just <laughs> even sort of taking it secondhand. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll, we should probably link to that assuming it's, it's still up. Uh, yeah. Cause that, w- that was really helpful. Yeah, really. It's great. I, I went through it
0: again um, the week leading up to us talking about this deal in particular. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is really good. Like it's, it's super specific lays everything out in very like brass tacks kind of simple terms and what I feel like I needed to brush up on like okay like how does because I feel like as a as a seller it's you you're kind of your job is a little bit easier because you're kind of just like all right you know take me out to dinner like how's this gonna work <laughs> you know you're just kind of waiting for them yeah. to tell you what the next step is and what they need from you and you can play hardball and just you know say oh that's too low or that's too little whatever it is or I different terms but when you're the buyer you kind of have to like lead the dance, and so I was like, I I definitely need to like brush up and like how does this work? Like what what are the steps we need to get them through, and how what's like the order of operations here basically? So that was really good for that. So we'll link it down below. But um, so I grabbed the the LOI template from they have like a, a legal docs kind of bundle that they send you as a as a part of being a customer, and uh, uploaded it to SignWell. Shout out to Ruben Gomez from Signwell, and, uh, and then I sent it out, I think the next morning, you know, it's like you know, too late for me now. I'm already like in bed basically, <laughs> uh, get out the next morning, sent it out. Um, I think it was either that same day or the next day, everything was signed and the LOI was complete, which basically the, so I want, I want to spend a little bit of time talking with the LOI because to kind of outline the process. Um, like I talked about a little bit before, like, up until the LOI, everything is kind of just like loosey-goosey in the air a little bit. Like, who do I want to sell to? And like, how does this business work? And you're kind of just like each side is filling out the other. And, and then you start talking about numbers a little bit and you start making offers. But really nothing is concrete until an asset purchase agreement or a stock purchase agreement. That's where like when you actually sign then you're legally obligated to like make the transfer and flip everything over. But the precursor to that agreement is the LOI, which basically says, yes, what we've talked about over email, you know, we agree upon and this document will serve as kind of the foundation for the eventual document that will actually complete the sale, which is the asset purchase agreement. So the LOI is just kind of like a, like a forward or like a an overline or an outline of what you're eventually going to agree to in the future, given that all the due diligence and like, you know, crossing your T's, dotting your I's, checking it, everything that we talked about was is true, then you can, yeah, everything holds true. Great, now let's go to the asset purchase agreement and copy and paste a lot of things that we talked about from the LOI. So what we outlined in the LOI was all the important bits about Um, the price point and the terms and the financing. And you also outline things like uh, how how long is it going to take to close and what is needed from each side around, okay, the buyer is going to need to do X, Y, and Z within X number of days. Um, And if all all that holds true, then we move on to the asset purchase agreement. One of the things in there is something called the exclusive negotiating rights. And it basically just says, hey, once you, once you sign and accept this, LOI this letter of intent then you have to cut off other negotiations and talks with other buyers so that we can close this deal because if we're still talking about other offers and other deals then basically everything is still subject to change and there's no way to truly get to an asset purchase agreement if we're still all like everything's in the air and we don't really know what we're kind of agreeing to at the end of the day um and so we got the LOI sign. And once we got the LOI sign, I was like, all right, like this thing, this thing's happening. <laughs> like we got to mm-hmm. really, it's kind of like a race, you know, we got to really yep. get our ish together. Also the seller was seemingly in a rush. Um, and so we were like, you know, we can try to close this as fast as possible, but like we still just need to do the things that we need to do in order to like feel good about it and for there to be no surprises and, just, you know, do our due diligence. Like we're just going to be smart about this. Um, So we got that, that signs like basically over the weekend or through the weekend. And uh, I thought, all right, let's go time. And this thing's actually going to happen. I need to start transferring funds and getting everything ready. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it it felt like we were moving extremely quickly. I had yeah, a number of things going on in my personal life, the move, uh, you know, I had to do, do something with my son. Um, it was just, you know, there, there was just a, a lot going on. And at the same time, like, w- we're trying to do, do due diligence and make sure that like, like you said, uh, the, the T's are crossed and the eyes are dotted. And, uh, you know, so like, I guess like one, one thing that I thought, was, uh, something that came up was I was looking at their status page and see, Hmm, there's been like a few outages recently, like, you know, decent, uh, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. I think one was maybe over an hour, uh, mm. within the last few months. And it's like, okay, like we're going to need to understand what happened here. How did you fix this? What was the cause? What was, you know, uh, how frequent does this occur? Um, because the history is only like you know, in the last few months or whatever, uh, just to make sure that like going forward, we have a handle on things and can keep service running. And, um, you know, so just, just basic stuff like that. Uh, yeah. we, we hadn't even gotten to code review yet. Um, or really diving into reviewing all the different accounts, um, as far as where things were hosted and, uh, you know, the different social media marketing accounts. I mean, some of that we could do without necessarily needing to have the, the buyer involved. But um, cer- certainly on the tech side, we, we did. And so, yeah, we, we had the, the, the code slash tech review scheduled for, uh, I guess, would have been tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but, but woke up to an email this morning uh, saying... Oh, well, let me back up. You you sent out a few other questions yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even remember now what they were, but other questions we had just doing our doing our diligence. Um, yeah, I was basically I
0: was asking really like simple things because basically like as much as we'd like to just like call it a deal and close it and just transfer transfer stuff over, like we also. Uh, like one, the most important bit is the actual agreement, the asset purchase agreement where you literally have to like write out what are all the things that we are a- What are all the things that we're actually buying? Like what are all the accounts that way? Everything is listed there. We still hadn't gotten like a, we started like a Google sheet, but we still hadn't had like a complete list of everything. So we were assembling the asset purchase agreement on the fly. We also, since we are making an asset purchase and not a stock purchase, we needed to actually set up uh, a corporate entity to, to actually own these new assets. Uh, and so we went through and incorporated through First Base. shout out to First Base, which makes it really, really easy. Um, and if you're listening, we need to cancel now, <laughs> spoiler <laughs> spoil alert, but sent out a support request, but um Uh, we have to incorporate and then we have to wait for a bank account and an EIN number. And you know, that doesn't take too long. The last time that I did it, it only took like uh, a week, maybe 10 days at most to get like the actual bank account. But like we have things to do in order to like make it close. It's not like it just like happens and we're like, okay, cool. Here's, here's everything over and we'll like send you a wire. It's like it has to go through a certain process that doesn't have to take months, but, it's not going to take just a couple of days. It might take like a week or two weeks at most. Um, so in that process, we were still sending over questions. We were scheduling the code review, uh, looking through the finances. We were looking through all the pricing plans. Um, I had asked some questions around, uh, uh,
1: what did I say? I think it was, um, we, we noticed in SharpMogul there was like a number of customers on, like oh right. Much, much cheaper plans than what currently exist. And so we're just asking like if they could kind of give some history around like changes to pricing and, and whatnot. Yeah. Uh,
0: basic stuff. It was like, hey, have you made any incremental price increases in the past year? You know, or where do those other prices come from? Also, like where do you want the funds to be transferred to? Do you want it to be transferred <laughs> to like the business bank account or the personal bank account? You know, we want to make sure we have that ready because making a six figure international bank transfer is, you know, comes with complications. Like we just want to make sure that we're approaching it the right way and
1: using the right services. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It. it I don't think anything we were doing as far as the review was unreasonable. We were really just getting started. I mean, this was, this was the, ma- this was happening over a matter of days. Uh, and, yeah, to me, it's like the LOI signals you are serious on both sides, and now let's just work through the details and work through the rest of the process, and then at the end of it, most of the time, unless like something crazy comes up, like even you know, even so, let's take the server outages for example. It's like okay, we're just going to find out what happened and work through it. It's not a deal breaker. Right. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I just want to know we as, much up, as possible. Right, right. Um, But yeah, woke up this morning, check my email, and see uh, an email saying something like, uh, "I'm sorry, but I sold the company." Yeah, that's what it (laughs)
0: says. I'm sorry, I sold the company.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then you replied, "You you you sold the company to someone else?" (laughs) Question mark
0: yeah i I literally i couldn't believe it i was so i was on the way driving my wife to the airport to leave for new york for a trip and i was literally at a stoplight and i was like oh i wonder if they've replied and so i opened up my email and i see this i'm sorry i sold the company and i was just so baffled i don't even know i just couldn't believe it so i was like are are you saying you sold it to someone else like what i mean in hindsight, now it's kind of a stupid question to ask, but I just wanted to like yeah. confirm and double check. Like, wait, like really?
1: Yeah, I I was legitimately in shock when I read it this morning. I just I immediately screenshotted it. So I, I mean, even though obviously it's in your email as well, but it's just screenshotted it, <laughs> slacked it to you, it just said, "Wow!" All capital letters. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So anyway, he he
0: uh, the, the the seller said. Yes, I did. And uh, anyways, I, I basically just said, all right, well, there's nothing we can do about it now. Kind of right. give him an earful a little bit about some things. But obviously disappointing to, to see. Annoying also because um, it's kind of the wrong thing to do. <laughs> so, you know, we're like now recording it, you know, you can kind of. Uh, listeners you can make some inferences about we're mentioning certain things but like the point of an LOI is to choose someone to sell your company to and then barring nothing like you can back out at any point but don't sell it to someone else in the middle of <laughs> due diligence you know what I mean like the whole point is basically just to agree all right at the end of this you're going to get an actual offer and if you like it which you said that you would because we just agreed to an LOI Then we're going to make this happen, and both people can go home happy in a reasonable amount of time without dragging it on forever and ever and ever. And so that's why there's that exclusive negotiating rights clause that literally outlines, and there's a bunch of legal jargon, but it says you agree that for an exclusivity period of X number of diligence days, which we outline to be 30 days after the date hereof signing, you your affiliates your and their respective officers directors employees agents shall not initiate solicit encourage directly or indirectly or accept any offer or proposal regarding the possible acquisition by any person other than us and maybe it's also just like a known thing like I, we can kind of give them a benefit of the doubt and be like maybe you just didn't read that but i just feel like it's a kind of a known thing like hey if you're gonna sign an loi and like Choose someone, then like maybe you should actually go through with it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it just, ah, <laughs> uh, that's why I felt like, oh, we have the LOI. It's, we're on the right direction. You know, like if anything, right. it's going to be the seller's going to back off and be like, you know what, I changed my mind. Or we're going to find stuff that we don't like and we'll be like, hey, actually, you know, we're going to rescind our offer and or we're going to need to adjust it in some ways to account for the things that we saw. But lo and behold, there was option C, which was, <laughs> you know, player three is entered into the chat, sell it to someone else. Didn't, didn't see that one coming.
1: Yeah. I, I kind of get the impression that people in, I don't know, our, our world don't put a lot into the LOI. Um, but mainly looking at it from the buyer side, like ba- basically, basically, As a buyer, if you get an LOI from the seller, don't assume that you've successfully sold your business because you still have a long ways to go, uh, you know, until you get that purchase agreement and you've signed it and the money's in your bank account. We've seen countless stories of people getting the LOI as a buyer or sorry, as a seller. Um, I might have just said all that backwards, but (laughs) yeah, yeah. getting
0: everything, but from the seller perspective. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, getting the the LOI as a seller, and uh, then you know, thinking, okay, I'm about to sell my business, I'm about to have this life changing exit, and then something comes up in due diligence, or the you know, a lot of times you hear like the financing fell through, mm-hmm. um, and right. so the the buyer has to back out. Uh, so I totally get that. Uh, I get all of that, but I personally have never heard of. From the buyer side, you giving the LOI, everyone signing it, <laughs> and then them selling it to somebody else, <laughs> right? Breaking the exclusivity clause, which you know we could talk about how it's supposedly non-binding, and you know it's it doesn't even matter at this point if it's enforceable or not, because um, there's no point in going down that road. But uh, just just like definitely shocking to have that happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't really matter if it's non-binding or not because at the end of the day like who's really going to go sue someone else for not selling something like it you know <clears throat> that's why it's non-binding. Right. like there's really it's it's an agreement at the end of the day and it's not like a, a contractual obligation until there is a an actual thing that says I I gave you money for this and you didn't give me what I wanted, right? Or vice versa. Right. Um, <clears throat> the the thing that annoys me about it is that we were we were moving really really fast, as fast as we could. Um. We we put in basically like a, a thirty day kind of due diligence period in there. Uh, which maybe from the seller's perspective again, trying to like give them the benefit of the doubt was, was too long for their needs, which we weren't aware of, but let's just say it was too long. The problem even then is that if we have like a, if we put a really short diligence period in there um, and then we miss it, then it basically like nullifies the LOI and then they can start accepting offers and negotiating all over again. We're kind of like put back to square one, not to say that that would happen, but it it legally could happen, or like there's no like it's it's acceptable for that to happen again, which is a bummer. So from the buyer's perspective, you don't want to handicap yourself by giving a really short diligence period, because then you're sort of like at the whim, like you know you have to hit that date, otherwise it's it's a big risk. So you want to give yourself a little bit of time and definitely some buffer even if you think like, oh yeah, we can close this by the end of the month, which we thought that we could do that, you know, mm-hmm. let's give it an extra like week or, or a week and a couple of days. That way no one's feelings are going to be hurt. No one's going to be upset, you know, kind of that under promise over deliver. We don't want to over promise and then under deliver on the LOI. Um, the, the other bit is I feel like it's just, it's such like a necessary piece of the whole equation, especially now seeing it, firsthand from the buyer's experience because if the LOI just means nothing you kind of just end up with like utter chaos it's like all right so we're signing multiple LOIs we're getting multiple offers the the seller is in due diligence with multiple companies all at once then like who ends up buying the company Um, like the first person to send money over (laughs) like what I don't I don't know you know also, it costs a lot of money and time. You know, it's sort of just one of those, like, good faith things where it's, like, you you definitely can take advantage of this. But should you, if you are a decent person who, uh, who respects and wants to maintain their reputation? Like, definitely not. Like, you want to maintain uh, a good relationship. You want to honor the LOI. So, I don't know. Like... I think a lot of people have different feelings about the LOI, especially being from like the seller perspective. I think a lot of people think like, well, the LOI is, you know, um, it's like, they don't like it because it gives Mm, power to the buyers. But like, really there's a lot more at risk for the buyer than the seller signing an LOI at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's like competition is fine. If I would be, I would feel better about things if, you know, some other buyer made a better offer than us and, you know, that was communicated to us and they said, you know, listen, I'm going to go sign an LOI with them uh, or, you know, move forward with them and not you guys. Like, mm-hmm fine. They made right, a better fine. offer. They, they were willing to go farther than, you know, we, we had some limits set internally between us as, as far as like, this is kind of our, you know, this will be our best and final offer if it gets to this point.
0: Mm-hmm. Like and that's, even, that's, even if the, if the seller came in the middle of the LOI and was like, look guys, I just got interest from like a strategic acquirer. They want to buy me for 50 X revenue, you know, like, like, right, you know, I can't not accept this. I'd be like, right, all right, I get it. You know, let's, good let's tear it up. Yeah. Good for you. Let me know if it doesn't work out, but like to not say anything is kind of the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just, I sold the company. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, <laughs> oh man. I just, I still can't believe it. It's been like several hours now. I'm just, I keep laughing yeah. because it's honestly baffling. So I, what ended up happening was I I ended up responding and I was like, you know, at this point there's nothing we can do. Uh, what's done is done, but I need to kind of say my piece and just let you know that like what you did was not cool basically. And like, I need you to know, to know why, because basically you, you promised and you signed it. And now you, you're saying you're admitting that you lied because you, you know, you didn't, uh, you didn't honor the LOI and the seller basically said like, um, they couldn't wait any longer. And they had another offer that would give them the funds immediately. And kind of tried to call BS a little bit on it. Like it doesn't just happen at the snap of the fingers. Like no one just has is like, all right, cool. Sign this here. I'll send you the money. Um, they kind of made it seem like, yeah, this person was fine with just like signing and transferring the money. Like they didn't need to do any due diligence. It's kind of what they sounded like they were implying. And I, I just think that there was, there was a lot more going on in the background that we didn't know about. Like maybe, maybe the seller had a serious offer the whole time and we were kind of just, uh, pawns. We were leveraged a little bit (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we're being strung along to get a more favorable deal. Um, and, or to just put pressure on the other buyer to close quicker, probably the most likely scenario. Um, but basically like, there's no excuse. I don't know. It's just, we kind of went back and forth and I was a little bit done with it. It was like there at the end of the day, (laughs) I don't know really how you can excuse any, anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you were fired up, but you were definitely respectful as well. Um, to me I mean one of the most ridiculous things that they said back to us was I was not sure you guys were 100% sure after all the reviews basically that we requested. <laughs> it's like what do you mean you weren't sure we weren't 100% sure like we 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 literally signed the LOI because we are 100 you know we're moving in this direction and Right. It, like that's like that is the next step to being serious. Um, and like the, yeah, the that, reviews that, that are that nothing, the
0: reviews are nothing, uh, uh, like nothing too deep. You know, we're not expert, like due diligence. Right. Um, people <laughs> like, well, literally it was like, Hey, can we see the code and can we see your chart mogul? Like, that's it. Yeah. And so like, we're not looking for things to like blow up the deal or to use this leverage to like lower the price or just to like lollygag and let it drag on. Um, like, yeah, if we weren't serious, then we wouldn't have signed it or, or, or done it in the first place. We would just,
1: you know,
0: keep moving on and
1: yeah, I don't know. It's ridiculous. Right. I mean, at, at this stage, we, we never saw basically anything. So we have no idea if like they even own their own code or, <laughs> you know, right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Maybe they were white labeling some other solution. Like we have no idea because we never saw anything. Um, yeah. and, I, and we're trying to outline like know. what is it that we are buying? What are all the accounts that we
0: should expect to be transferred? And right. that, you know, that was like the, the the most that we asked of the seller was just to provide a list of all the things that would end up being in our hands after we transfer the funds.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't realize that the, uh, the SaaS market was uh, as hot as the real estate market and, you know, <laughs> home inspections <laughs> yeah, being waived, right. you know, n- no, no due diligence reviews. Like these are, they're flying off the shelves. Um, all contingencies <laughs> waived. Just yeah, all contingencies, all yeah. cash <laughs>
0: above, above asking offers site unseen.
1: Yeah. P- Closed within days. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, uh, it's very similar. Yeah. And you know, As you said, good for them that, you know, it obviously sucks for us, but good for them if they were able to close quickly with minimal to no review and uh, hopefully it ends up working out for that buyer because that we needed some basic level of assurance (laughs) that we were buying what we were buying, you know, what Mm -hmm. they said we were buying. So, yeah. Well, Uh, and to be clear too,
0: it was it was literally five days from signing the LOI to saying, getting the email that, that says I sold the company. In fact, it was probably less because yeah. it was at like mid t- midnight our time. So it was, it was probably like, you know, like four and a half days to like actually signing. So I don't know, like if that's too long, then like we're never gonna close a deal <laughs> because <laughs> I we need like at least
1: a week for God's sakes oh my it's, right it's F- four insane. and a half days with uh, two of those being Saturday and Sunday exactly Yes. Which we did which oh. we did still do work over anyway so yeah we did it was it was <sighs> wild uh, I mean yeah the funny thing is so when we first started talking about this whole idea of uh, you know, trying to buy sass together and, and grow it and all of that. One of the things I joked about was, well, it'll give us more content for the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're at least getting this episode out of it. <laughs> that's right.
0: Yeah, that's definitely productive. That's a good use of, yeah. it's uh, uh, good content yeah, great use for, of time for the show. You're hey, welcome listeners. This is all for you, all of our <laughs> pain and misery and time and money wasted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a couple of, a couple of takeaways, maybe a couple of lessons learned. Yeah. Um, one of the things I felt like, uh, I don't know, you just kind of get those gut feelings a little bit when certain things are said or when you're around someone that kind of just make you like raise your eyebrow a little bit. I feel like I had a couple of those and I kind of just ignored, ignored them through the process. And I'm probably just a little bit jaded, especially now, but I feel like in the future, if there's ever that kind of eyebrow raise, I'll kind of raise the other one too and be like, Hmm, is there something else going on in here? One of the things that we both talked about immediately after was, uh, that pre LOI when we were still negotiating, basically, that they had essentially said that they were quote in the middle of a deal, and that there was also another person interested. And we kind of chalked it up to like, like, what what does that mean? In the middle of a deal? Like they have a serious offer or like, like they're in the middle of a deal. Like they have an LOI sign and they're going through due diligence right now. I don't, we still don't know like what that meant, but I kind of just chalked it up to like maybe, you know, lazy wording or being a non-native English speaker. But now I'm like, ah uh, man that, that was kind of like a red flag you know like hey what what do you what do you mean by that what what do you mean you have a you're in the middle of a deal <laughs> you mm-hmm, know like mm-hmm. uh, can you explain where exactly you're at with the other interested parties
1: yep that that we that was a key miss by us
0: yeah uh <clears throat> one of the other ones was immediately after signing the loi they uh they said hey i signed the LOI. Also, I need the money as soon as possible by the end of the month, which was like two weeks away, basically. And we were kind of like, oh, all right. Like <clears throat> we knew you wanted to close fast, but we didn't know that there was like a deadline, you know, another eyebrow raise where I was kind of like, why would someone need the money so fast? Or like what? I don't know. It just seems like for a big transaction and something as like serious and important as selling our company, you just like want to like rush through it or something. I don't know. I was kind of like taken back by that. I think that that's kind of a, I don't know. I would next time. I think I would either, I would definitely ask why, um, but I would, depending on their answer, maybe like rescind the LOI or like, I don't know, basically tell them like, no, sorry, we're not gonna meet that deadline. I don't know. Like if you don't like that, then like we're happy to tear it up. But like, that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. I don't know if maybe we could have communicated a close or, you know, an estimated close date better we, before we sending it over. Um, yeah. Cause like, I, I, I understand there could be legitimate reasons, you know, say you've, I don't know, have like a large medical expense or, you know, for your child or something like, Just like there, there could be some crazy situation where you need a lot of money quickly and you happen to have this asset that, is worth something and you can sell it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, we, we just weren't on the same page as far as again, we were flexible and maybe we didn't communicate that enough, but we're like, okay, like if you need to close by the end of the month, like that's what we're going to shoot for then. But we still need to go through this process. Like we're not just going to skip this process and close. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, um, well, for example, I think actually when I was writing out that initial email, I, I almost said like I typed out, um, cause I think I sent the same thing to you over Slack. It was like, Hey, just by the way, in like the, you know, expected close date or whatever it was, I put June 10th, but you know, obviously we want to get it done sooner. Um, and as fast as possible, but and I had written that out in the email to the seller, but then I ended up deleting it because I felt like I didn't want to like overpromise and underdeliver, mm. and maybe set like unrealistic expectations. But also, like I think I would put that note in there next time. And and if we did know that the seller wanted the money faster, we we probably could have structured the deal differently. Like, hey, can we get you, you know, half of the funds tomorrow? uh, the other half in like three weeks, you know, like what will that right. do? Will that suffice for you? And then maybe that would right. do the trick, but like we could have just structured it a little bit differently so that we can get it done. But we just need to know that in advance so that we can work it into the LOI, <laughs> you know, like, again, that's the whole point of the LOI is to set expectations and everyone gets on the same page literally and agrees and signs and says, cool, I'm, I'm good at this plan. Let's move forward with this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So any other takeaways?
0: Um, let me see. One of the other things was, I think I have a couple actually. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of thinking about it today. If you haven't, you (laughs) can tell, um, they had mentioned that they had previously sold a couple of other SaaS products before, but they didn't mention which ones. I think next time I would definitely ask what they were, which ones. And I maybe would have also tried to reach out to the buyers of those, and ask what their experience was like. Um, just like a, as a friendly, like, you know, buyer to buyer kind of, hey, how'd this go? Mm-hmm. Or what was your experience like? Or do you know this person well? You know, uh, not trying to like get any inside intel, but just want to like what your experience was like overall. Something like that. Um, so again, maybe would we would've, that's kind of like the reference check for hiring someone. It's not really to like, you're not trying to find something bad but if someone does have a strong opinion about that person, it can kind of sway you. And my guess is that there were, none of those buyers would say anything negative, probably, you know? Um, It's very likely that it was a positive experience, but if there was, that would definitely be like a really big red flag. (laughs) And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. You know, to really put your neck out there and say, this person was not good to work with, and or X, Y, and Z happened. I think I would probably back away immediately. And so it's probably one of the things I want to check for next time. If there was a previous history of selling products previously. Yep. Um, I think one other thing we talked about, which we basically agreed that it could be kind of like case by case basis and maybe not like a for every deal, but we did end up adding or we basically like have the option to add A clause now that we know to our LOI template that says that if the seller accepts another offer after signing the LOI that they would pay a fee during the period yeah during the period during the exclusivity period outlined in uh, clause B (laughs) 1b (laughs) (laughs) or whatever it is actually I think it's just like number four I don't know Uh, but basically they would pay a fee to reimburse any like cost that we would incur through the process. We did end up incurring a few hundred dollars in costs, a lot, many hours, many, many hours. Uh, yep. if we had gotten any legal help, which we hadn't and basically we didn't because it was such a fast turnaround time that we were working on, that would have been the biggest because, you know, lawyers are $500 an hour, you know, on average. And so you spend a couple hours on, drafting, reviewing and redlining documents. And you're looking at thousands of dollars in expenses. And so we basically put in a clause that says, you know, we would reimburse some kind of line item out, like up to $5,000 of fees, if the LOI were to be broken by the exclusivity clause and accepting another offer doing during due diligence.
1: Yep. And that's a, that's not something like we just invented. That was something that you got from someone who's done these type of deals before.
0: Yes. Uh, I won't mention them, but shout out to a friend who I was sharing the story with. And they were basically like, oh, yeah, this might be interesting. You know, you can figure out if you want to work something like this in there. Uh, and not even so much as like a, we expect to um, collect this fee if that right. were to happen, but more just if someone is scared by that, then we're kind of weeding out the, the people that we don't want to work with in the first place and uh that way we know if someone's actually serious about the LOI <laughs> and not likely to yeah. go and accept another offer and hopefully we can uh this is the the first and only time that we experience something like this yep i think those are i think those are all my learnings all my lessons i think i've got it all all off my chest <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think, I don't know, in general for me, I, I don't have it all written down yet, but just learning, uh, experiencing the process again, like learning by doing is so much quicker mm-hmm. and more beneficial <laughs> than, uh, you know, reading about stuff or obviously like the course you took was extremely helpful. it, it especially cause it, it was so specific in certain areas like, Hey, here's a good list of questions to ask, uh, you know, just about the business and about the customers. And yeah, right. That was extremely helpful in beginning to learn how to think like a buyer and how to evaluate a business. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- those are all real big takeaways for me. Just, just going through the experience. Um, also strangely enough it it made me reflect a lot on Jetboost on where it's at mm-hmm. um you know it's always hard to value your your own thing uh the the obvious example is just how we all tend to underprice our own products um and so I think even just thinking about the, the value of Jetboost as a company, um, it, it kind of made me realize like, hey, this is like, you know, the numbers for the most part are really good. And, uh, you know, we've got a good customer base and people like the product. And, you know, and, and sort of uncovering some of the the weaker areas as well. Uh, and, again, no plans to sell Jetboost anytime soon, if ever. But, um kind of, it made me realize how it could be a little bit more strategic and just build a bit better business overall, um, Mm. by going through this process on the other side of things. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And hopefully some, some levers to pull to, to get a better deal. Eventually, if you do sell it, you know, being able to step in the shoes of a potential buyer and understand what they're looking for and what they're hesitant about and how to get the, uh, how to position yourself the best way.
1: Yeah. And even just looking at the business today, uh, from like in evaluating this other business, I I was very clear eyed as far as, okay, we could do these things. Uh, you know, we could change this as far as the pricing or, um, you know, we should talk to this group of customers and learn X, Y, Z about them Mm Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of made me, again, reflect on JetBoost and think, well, like, there's a lot, a lot of those things I could do for JetBoost right now. Um, and just right. sort of pretend like I'm more of a third party and, uh, and really get, a, I think, a lot of value out of that. So,
0: yeah. Like, what would you do if you were the buyer of JetBoost tomorrow? Right. You know, what's right. the plan?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Actually, fun. uh, uh, a uh, one of my mentors uh, from th- through uh, calm fund uh, he sold a business uh, I think he sold it maybe like four years ago I think he ran it for maybe seven or eight years and um, at the time when he sold it he, he was you know there's still like a he, he he had employees but there was still a lot of the business that relied on him and he said so the seller comes in and basically Sorry, <laughs> I keep reversing these. The buyer comes in uh, after they purchase the business, and basically like asks him, "Okay, like what are all the jobs you're doing?" And then just start, started assigning those tasks to other people. And he's mm. like, "Why didn't I just do that when I own the business?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just just thinking about it like that, Um, it's interesting. I, I, there, there's definitely some takeaways, both you know, in going forward if we if slash when we try to do this again. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then also just for, for JetBoost as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's super simple. And like,
0: I think being in it, you, you can't see the forest through the trees, you know, you kind of just get lost and you just get confused and you overcomplicate stuff. And, um, but it's little thought experiments like that where you see someone else's experience or you think like, what would I do if I was the new owner of JetBoost and I just paid millions of dollars for this what would I do to, to grow it turn around improve it um, and then you you know start to like whittle down and really see like oh these are like the most important things like these are the glaring things that I didn't really think about before because I was too focused on like well there's this bug that's been around for a year and I feel guilty about it every day right. <laughs> <Or> like <laughs> we still haven't launched yep. on Product proud ton or whatever it is that you feel like right you know it, it's agonizing Um, it distracts you from the real, real important stuff. Totally. Yep. So, um, what's next for us? Safe to say we're still open and interested in acquiring a micro SAS. Uh, I guess we'll keep looking.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are both super interested in this and, um, gonna try and make it happen again to me it's like it's 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 just kind of like it's a fun experiment it's fun to learn something new uh i think we could do really well at this uh working working together and um i don't know just try and see what happens yeah let's see what happens
0: we can uh tentatively call it default live ventures maybe but if anyone's interested in selling their microsoft or like know that. someone let us know and uh maybe it's a good fit dm us on twitter or send us a message through zip message using our link down below in the show notes it's a link that says ask us a question uh i'll just change that and it'll say sell your business to us or something like that <laughs> <laughs> but anyways we're on the lookout so keep an eye out for us yeah All right, well, shall we wrap it there? I think so. All right, cool. Well, signing off, let us know what you think. Let us know if you have any uh, shared experiences, thoughts, questions, um, critiques about our process or our story. And we'll see you next time.